Hi, everyone, and welcome to Empowering the Opposition. My name is Lexi Wilson. I'm a licensed master social worker. And my name is Dr. Nafis Alam, and our topic today will be the power of mindset. Lexi, you and I have been talking about the idea of mind over matter for some, for quite some time now. And today we sort of put it all together in trying to understand how having the right kind of mindset can make for a different life experience altogether. Yeah, I really like what you said um, and kind of how you describe that. And And one thing that I really think is important to point out when we're talking about mindset is the way that we as a society tend to view our bodies and our minds. And we tend to kind of have this belief that our bodies and our minds are very separate mm-hmm. um, and that, yeah, like they're all kind of in the same area, right? But they're, you know, not really related to one another, you know, but actually that's not the case. And a lot of research is, is coming out, um, actually quite recently about how interconnected the body and mind are and how, um, important mindset is, um, in negating things like stress or Mm -hmm. even increasing athletic performance, academic performance, um, So yeah, I'm excited to talk a little bit more about this today and kind of dive a little bit deeper. Yeah, I I mean, there are opposing viewpoints right off the bat. If I think of my years as an athlete or even as uh, in academia, um, I've always performed better when there was a semblance of nervousness, uh, a little bit of doubt, I suppose, Mm. when I was fully confident to the point where I knew, like I was overconfident. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't perform up to my standards. Mm. So even now when some of my uh, older students are taking their LMSW exams, they're asking me for last minute advice. Um, Sometimes sometimes they'll ask Mm -hmm. me like, I need you to tell me something to calm me down. Mm -hmm. My response is usually, I want you to be nervous a little bit, you know, because that nervousness makes you hyper aware. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the reasons I don't wear a helmet when I ride my one wheel around um, and I'll ride on the streets and, uh, you know, it, I've almost gotten hit by cars several times. Oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> It'll happen. It'll happen. Just, you know. Not recommended. Yeah, do not try this at do, home. <laughs> yeah. Don't try that at home or outside. But one of the reasons, uh, and I mentioned this during a faculty meeting the other day, I'm sorry, uh, faculty happy hour the other day we had at Boise State University. Um, I mentioned that I'd ride without a helmet because the level of awareness that I have about my surroundings increases. Yeah. It's highly enhanced when I know subconsciously that I'm in some semblance of danger. Mm. Whenever I've had a helmet on, whenever I haven't been nervous for an exam, whenever I've gone into a game that I knew that I was going to win, like I would just throw a random interception Mm. for like, you know, just like their worst player. You know, mm-hmm. and I just I knew that it was because it was it, I lacked focus. So, you know, as we talk about, because obviously with empowering the opposition, mm-hmm. we always want to talk about different viewpoints. As today, we talk about the benefits of addressing stress and addressing nutrition and addressing different uh, categories. There are also arguments to be made to the opposition. Mm-hmm. Sometimes stress is a good thing. Sometimes oh stress, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it's really important to 
you know, look at this from all um, perspectives and to also understand that things like stress, for example, like as humans, we are built to manage that. And that's something that our ancestors have, um, you know, for thousands and thousands of years have dealt with um, in a healthy way. Obviously, stress is important. It's a signal to our bodies and our minds that, hey, something's up. We need to pay a little bit more attention. Mm -hmm. And so it has a lot of great evolutionary benefits. Um, and so to kind of like start it off today, one, um, video that really, really, um, impacted me. And I, I actually got to listen to it for the first time. I think it was my freshman year of, or sorry, not my freshman year, my first year of my master's program. Mm -hmm. So two years ago, and you know, I'm, you know, just so stressed out and anxious and just putting way too much pressure on myself which in one hand was great because I had you know incredible grades and um you know I was always on top of my you know shit (laughs) and and you know so there was definitely those benefits of of the stress that I experienced however there were negative benefits um or negative repercussions of that stress as well and it just so happened that in one of our um, classes we watched this ted talk i highly recommend people watch it um it's by kelly mcgonigal and she's a health psychologist and she talks about um mindset and stress so essentially she had studied and taught um on the importance of stress and how we've for so long been taught that that stress um, makes us sick um, it makes us more susceptible to things like the common cold and um, disrupts our cardiovascular system and so those have all been links that have been shown to be true mm. however what they found recently um, she discussed how there was a eight-year longitudinal study of over 30,000 participants and what they did was they they essentially asked these participants about their beliefs of stress. And the ones who had said that um, they believed, you know, that, you know, they could handle stress or that, you know, they were able to manage their stress out far outlived and were um, far less likely to die mm-hmm. <laughs> than the ones who believed um, that stress was, you know, having a very negative impact on their on their bodies and their health. Um, so yeah, it was very, you know, significant. So she she essentially just kind of talks about how everything that she had been t- teaching about stress was wrong. It's not that we should avoid stress as humans. That's you know we are going to experience it. It's that. Um, the way we think about it um, is way more important than the actual stress that we have in our lives. Yeah, I think it's. I think it goes without saying that you cannot avoid obstacles, but you can build confidence in overcoming those obstacles. And for those people that believe that stress is going to be so overwhelming to them that they're not going to be able to overcome, then that's exactly what's going to happen, Mm, right? So what is it, the old saying, whether you believe you can or whether you believe you can't, you're right. Yes, that's a great saying. So that's the thing with stress too, is that you know that it's going to happen. You know that, you know, life has its peaks and valleys. And when you're in one of the valleys, are you confident that you're going to overcome or are you confident that you you will be overwhelmed? Mm. Um. You know, and and she makes a good point in that regard too. And you know, for a little bit of an analogy, maybe not fully connected, was the idea that you know I remember there was a study done on car accidents, mm-hmm. and it was found that people who would sort of pass out 
and just like lose control and just like you know lose control oh they actually fared better because their bodies weren't tense i saw that yeah right so stress Mm -hmm. can cause tension yeah and tension leads to greater levels of injury yeah so we talked we were we were taught this in football too is that when you see someone much bigger than you and you know they're going to get get a good hit on you don't try to like like cushion the blow just let yourself get hit wow it's gonna it's gonna lead to fewer injuries if you just let yourself get hit that's interesting instead of trying to like you know go against it and it was counterintuitive at first but the the more you thought about it from a physiological standpoint we're not yet talking about the psychology of it but the physiological standpoint it made perfect sense because your body is naturally Mm -hmm. able to just move around but when you're met with something a stressor Mm -hmm. and because of the presence of a stressor you tense up Mm -hmm. that stressor will do damage on you even if you're able to withstand your ground you stand your Mm -hmm. ground you're still taking the brunt of that force versus where you just let yourself get hit Mm -hmm. let yourself you know exactly i mean it's the difference between having someone run into a brick wall or having someone you know kind of run into a feather obviously if you're you know, going to be more of a feather than you're going to have a lot less damage on your end. Yeah. If you're able to absorb the um, momentum of the impact. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so, so interesting. So it's always important to understand that stress is going to be there, Mm -hmm. but it's how you approach stress that determines, you know, whether you, you're able to, to, to cope with it. But then you've got like the opposition saying that, you know, we want as much stress as possible. We don't want strategies Mm. to deal with stress. And the reasons for that, you know, it it doesn't quite make sense to me, but it may make sense to some people where they might say that stress makes you feel alive. Mm. Stress is something that isn't unique to humans but it is mm-hmm. unique to life mm, you know yeah. so anything that's inanimate does not experience stress mm-hmm. and therefore you know yeah. maybe we should take pride in it it also stress indicates importance mm. if i am i don't know if i'm going out for an interview mm-hmm. how do i know that this interview is a big deal to me if i'm stressed mm-hmm. If I'm not stressed, I might be thinking to myself, why am I not stressed? Am I, mm. am I doing a Do I not care? Yeah, do like, I not care? Why, yeah. Do I have better options? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what's going on here? So stress is also a good indicator of what's important and what's not. Mm-hmm. It's a negative indicator. But for those who are highly advanced in this understanding, they might actually fall on the opposite side of the argument and say that we want to experience stress because when we experience stress fully Mm -hmm. and openly and explicitly, we don't have to wonder as to what our where our priorities Mm -hmm. lie. And I think like one of my friends were talking about, like I knew that I loved her because I was so nervous talking to her, (laughs) asking her to marry me or something like that. And I can talk to anybody. And I was like, that's a good way to put it Mm -hmm. because like, most myself included like we 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 can generally talk to anyone Mm, yeah but imagine someone asking another person to be their wife Mm -hmm. right like you know this person you're stressed and fearful because it matters right exactly Mm -hmm. not because you don't know them not because you don't know how you can approach Mm it and usually if you're asking the question you've already had some semblances of that conversation in the past yeah. mm-hmm. so it's not going to be a surprise hopefully yeah. if you're doing it the right way <laughs> yeah please do not surprise others yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know yet you're still stressed because you understand the levity of the situation 
This means on one word, one word will determine the rest of your life. Yes means you have a partner, that particular partner mm-hmm. for life. You might be working toward children. You might be working toward grandchildren. Mm-hmm. You might be you know, taking vacations together. You, Whenever someone says the word you, it might no longer mean you individually, yeah, but you as a you couple. Yeah, it means a partnership. So, so many different things change, which is one of the reasons why I'm so scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> different story altogether. That's a um, whole other podcast. Like, right, exactly. <laughs> but then no, the answer no would mean... Like, where do you go from there? Yeah, it could, it could be <laughs> catastrophic because then, now you've put yourself out there and you know that you're in a place where your partner is not. Mm. And now, does the relationship go in the opposite direction where if we're not getting married, then, why? then we, we're not even together then, yeah, right? So it's just, yeah. it's such a pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. But we only know that it's a pivotal moment because of how stressed we are. If mm-hmm. it was just a chill moment for everybody... They wouldn't be special. No. Yeah. Exactly. And that's one thing I think is so incredible that you brought up too, is that we as a society have really kind of synonymously equated stress with bad or negative. When in reality, it is just an, it's a human experience. It's a feeling that we, all of us at some point undergo, right? And it's not bad. It's not you know, it's not necessarily good either. It's just a feeling. It's an experience. Mm-hmm. And and so that's just just a great way, I think, to just kind of think about some of those things rather than equating any type of feeling, right, to bad or good. It's just there. We experience it. Yeah. It's telling us something. What is it telling us? Um, and, and a lot of times it's not necessarily bad or good it's hey this is important this matters to me or or you know the list could go on and on yeah um and so kind of like going off that a little bit too i think this is where um we really get into like the mind body connection of mindset Mm -hmm. how we think about problems how we think about challenges we face how we think about stress and how it does um, impact our bodies and and our health. And one thing that I think is really interesting um, when kind of thinking about this mind-body connection mm. is nutrition. Mm. Um, and I don't think this gets talked about enough. And this is one of the most like shocking statistics. I remember hearing this last year and being like, you've got to be kidding me. How is this not talked about? Um But so essentially, the statistic is that 95% of the serotonin that we create in our bodies is created in our gut. And so for those of you who don't know, and I mean, I I studied this stuff and I still had to look it up a little bit. (laughs) But serotonin, um, it's it's essentially a chemical that's in our bodies and it contributes to our happiness and well-being. Mm. So it's known as like the happy chemical or the cuddle chemical. Um, So it it, it does a lot of um, different things, but um, it really contributes to our well-being. And 95% of that is created in our gut, Mm. not our brains. Which is so interesting, right? So really what, what we're putting into our bodies is really affecting our mood mm-hmm. a lot more than I think people people realize. Yeah. And and so I just think it's really interesting about how what we put into our bodies contributes to the mind body connection, um, you know, and also the the mindset. And then kind of like going off that too is like um, 
how do we disrupt mindsets or mm-hmm. negative mindsets? Um, how do we change those that may not be you know beneficial to us or for us? Well, I can tell you that like the nutrition, the ninety five percent in your gut serotonin, that was surprising to me. Mm-hmm. I just learned that moments before we clicked record mm-hmm. uh and yeah. i've been in this field for a long time i was very mm-hmm. surprised at that and we had a brief conversation just prior uh about you know people who use food as comfort mm-hmm. right so yeah many people who use food as comfort might cho- might make poor food mm-hmm. choices and as a result you mentioned that there's a great deal of uh depression and anxiety yeah as a result of eating obesity yeah right. obesity mm-hmm. um and you know that it, it tends to be very correlated right if you're putting a lot of poor poorly um nutritious food into your body um that's not contributing to your serotonin you know in your gut and therefore your brain you're probably gonna have some issues with anxiety with depression mm-hmm. um you know as a result of of not you know, really feeding your body what it needs. And also when you are eating bad foods, then you'll get that high because that's yes. where that serotonin is connected. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And what's crazy too, is that a lot of the, the foods that are so good and like, obviously I am by no means perfect. Like I, I love a good, you know, um, Chick-fil-A every now and again. Mm. And, um, you know, like it's just, it's easily available, but What's interesting and that also a lot of people don't know is that a lot of this food, this fast food, um, a lot of it is engineered to be highly addicting. Give us, um, they have scientists um, working on a lot of these um, different like sauces, especially like also with chips too in general. Mm. Um, And these scientists basically try to find the best concoction of like... um, how to get people hooked and give them that immediate like satisfaction of flavor. Um, and I saw this documentary on it with chips and how like Doritos, for example, mm-hmm. they're engineered to where when you go and eat one, it gives you this instant burst of like flavor and it goes away very quickly. So you're like, Oh, I need more. I need oh, more. Yeah. And so before you know it, you've downed a whole bag of Doritos and you know, no nutrition there. And, yeah. um, and they're engineered to be addicting. (laughs) Um, I've also heard, and this might be completely false, but this just came across my mind. I heard someone say that the reason why chips make this amount of sound that they do, they can be just as crunchy, but Mm -hmm. not as noisy. Oh. But the reason why they are so noisy is because auditorily, you connect the taste, the instant gratification of that with taste, the noise. Oh, with so the, we're with the sound. We're classically conditioning, right? Exactly. The sound. So when you don't necessarily crave the taste, you're still craving the sound because mm. the sound is comforting. Of like, you know, I can't recreate yeah. it on the mic, but it's it just it's like <laughs> it's a comforting sound yeah. because it reminds you of a time when you're relaxing and watching the game or yeah. something like that. So essentially, you're addicted to having chips. If you're hungry, mm-hmm. and also if you need to feel like you just need There's to There's that emotional component, yeah. too. I think a great example of this is, I'm not really a soda drinker. I used to drink it every now and again, and then I realized, okay, this is like total trash. Why am I putting this in my body? But what's really interesting is my, my grandma, she 
um, would always have Pepsis in the house. And I will never buy a Pepsi on my own. I never buy them at the store and I, and I will never order them at a restaurant. But anytime I go to her house, I'll open a Pepsi and I'll have one. And it's always because I, I equate Pepsi with a feeling of like, oh, I'm with, you know, my grandparents, nostalgia, my grandma and grandpa. And like, I equate that taste. It's so weird. It's so weird. But, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting how how we associate food, not just with... Yeah, it's sort of like... That. <laughs> so weird. <laughs> if you were to go to your favorite restaurant mm-hmm. that you've eaten at before mm-hmm. and get a to-go bag and bring it home, it's not going to taste as good. It, no, it doesn't, though. I know. <laughs> it doesn't. I know. That's the thing. That's how you know that your mind is playing trick, tricks on you because your mind is telling you... Lexi, you're out, Mm -hmm. you're enjoying yourself, you're surrounded by good friends, we're going to make it, make this food taste much better than it actually does, we're going to hook you up, but Mm -hmm. then when you bring it back home, like, oh, this steak was amazing, or you bring it home, it's like, is this the same thing that we Mm -hmm. had there, and it's just, there's such a huge connection, and it makes sense now, like, I I don't know why I didn't put the two together, but 95% is a huge number. I know, I know, and I think it's so important, and we need to educate people on this, Mm -hmm. but the problem is, people don't realize that, it's not like one day, you know, someone created a burger joint, and like, McDonald's just happens to be an incredible billion dollar business. No, they have like scientists who are working on creating. Yes, they have mixed science (laughs) (laughs) creating these highly, highly addictive, you know, foods, which I wouldn't even call them foods, but, you know, highly, highly, highly addictive um, substances Mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever it is like. And, and we all enjoy these every now and again. Like, it's just a normal thing, right? The problem is when we think about, you know, what we're putting into our bodies and how it's affecting our mood. And I don't know about you, but like, I, I mean, I, I tend to eat pretty, I eat very healthy throughout the week. I, and that wasn't always the case. I used to eat like total trash during grad school because I was more, you know, I was, I kind of use food as like, oh, like I'm going to enjoy this. Like I'm stressed out with school, blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, you know, in the past like nine to 10 months, I'm like, no, I'm going to like really fuel my body and eat what's good. And I've noticed as I eat, you know, really healthy meals throughout the week and on the weekends, I'll be like, oh yeah, I'll go and just kind of eat whatever I want. Yeah. And I notice a huge difference. Like after I go out with friends um, and I'll just have like whatever meal I want and I just feel so different. Mm-hmm. Like I can tell my mood is different and I'm not as energized and it's, it's just those little things we don't really pay attention to. But if you're, if you are paying attention to it, I suggest you do because it has a huge impact on, on the way we think, the way we feel our moods. Yeah. Well, in a vacuum, we would say that we'd like people to make better nutritional choices. But nutrition isn't always at the top of people's lists. Mm-hmm. Or accessible. If, it's, it, right. For some people, it isn't. So if someone is dealing with uh, high degrees of depression and maybe even suicidal ideations, yeah. and the only thing getting them off their mind off of you know these mm-hmm. dark thoughts is... You know, what is it, a double cheeseburger? Is that a thing from McDonald's? A, a McDouble. A McDouble, <laughs> McDouble. yeah. Oh, everything's a Mc. Okay. 
So <laughs> don't Mc- forget it. <laughs> my apologies. So a McDouble is the only thing that's keeping your mind off of the reality of mm-hmm. life of, yeah. of that particular person's life. You know, in empowering the opposition, we should consider the point of view that maybe healthy food choices don't fall at the top of the hierarchy of needs when mm-hmm. it comes to this, right? Yeah. Maybe unhealthy food choices may be what is most healthy for you at the time. At the moment. And let's mm-hmm. let's make sense of it, right? So obviously, yeah. an unhealthy food choice isn't best for you. Mm-hmm. But at that moment, mm-hmm. if you just broke up with someone, you're having financial troubles, you're, you know... Down a couple Ben and Jerry's. We've all been there. Yeah, exactly. What is that? Ice cream? Yes! Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) The ladies will know what I'm talking about. Okay. I was like, who are these people, Ben Ben and Jerry? Who's Ben and Jerry? And why are you downing? (laughs) (laughs) I legit had no idea. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, ice cream certainly helps, you know, and it's not good for you, but in that moment... It just helps you calm down yeah. and food bad food can have good positive, positive. effects in the yeah. very short term. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that short term very short might be very significant. <laughs> yeah. Because if that short term is the decision between hurting yourself and not hurting yourself, yes, it's a short term mm-hmm. decision. But if you do choose to hurt yourself, that's a long-term decision, long-term, even yeah. though that decision was made in the short term. Yeah. So we can't discount the idea. This is why, like you know, yeah, there is that there is that benefit, and and I think it's important that you recognize that because if it wasn't of benefit to people in some way, we wouldn't be doing it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it's Mm -hmm. cheaper. It's more accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, There's available. Yeah. There's a sense of just you know enjoyment, and for some, you know, who who no judgment passed for some, that might be the only enjoyment they get in that day. Who mm-hmm. are we to take that away from? Them? Yeah, yeah, you exactly, know? exactly. Yeah, I I really really think it's you know important to consider all those different um, aspects of that. Mm-hmm. Now, also kind of thinking about you know our mindset, right? We talked a little bit about nutrition, and then you know our mindset on stress. I'd like to talk a little bit about ways that we can disrupt our mindset mm-hmm. and how we can work to create a more positive mindset that is beneficial to both our minds and our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, do you have any like ideas or ways that we can do that? Well, I think it always takes about three to four months to create a habit mm-hmm. and bad habits are hard to break but so too are good habits, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, so that's the benefit of having a good mindset habit is that if you're always waking up and having positive thoughts, mm-hmm. then, you know, after a few months, that's going to be your natural, that's going to be your mm-hmm. homeostasis if we're using, you know, yeah. uh, social work language and biological language. Um, so, you know, building those kinds of habits, but like bu- building those habits are going to take a long time, mm-hmm. right? It's going to take a lot of effort because it's unnatural to you. Yeah. And also just, you know, part of it is just reminding yourself that no matter what the troubles are that you have, there is always someone who has it worse. And we tend Mm. often not to think about the people that have it worse than us. Mm. We always tend to think of the people that have Mm. it better than us. Why can't I be like him? Why can't Mm. I be as big and strong and powerful and rich and attractive and successful as this other person? Yet you... You know, while you're trying to be someone else, Mm -hmm. you forget that there is a larger majority of people Mm -hmm. that are wishing that they could be you. Yeah. 
and I think that is a good point, but also in the opposition to that too, I think a lot of times when people, you know, are experiencing those really difficult, difficult, um, seasons in their life, you know, whether it be anxiety, depression, depression, SI, whatever it is, um, just telling someone, Oh, someone has it worse. Isn't necessarily, it it doesn't change how someone's feeling in that moment. It doesn't obviously validate, it doesn't validate where they're at. Um, you it know, does the opposite. And it does. It does the opposite. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> it anti-validates. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it's important that, yes, we understand that there's a lot of people who are way better off than myself, for example. Mm. And there's a lot of people who, you know, have it far worse than I. Mm. Um, but all I can control, you know, or anyone can control is, is within your own realm of control. So yeah. your mindset, the, the people you have around you, um, to some extent, you know, the nu- type of nutrition you put in your body. Like the, there's small things that us as individuals can control um, and I think are important to focus on. I think it's important also to keep like a mental journal. I think, hmm. you know, 2020, no one's keeping an actual journal where they write stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know, people don't even text me full complete sentences anymore, so I can't imagine... <laughs> Journals being in diaries, right, exactly. But, but, you know, if you can take a mental journal and just, like, earmark, like, everything that you did yesterday that was an improvement from the day prior, Mm. and just start today with that, saying that yesterday was an improvement on the day prior. Mm, And today, maybe it'll be an improvement, maybe it won't be. But I know for a fact that I'm capable of having better days Mm than days prior yeah and in some instances if you're really learning something that you can see yourself learning over the course of time you can sort of celebrate those little tiny successes like Mm -hmm. you know yesterday i couldn't do this math equation and now i'm using it as a part of an even larger equation as as part of a larger formula Mm -hmm. you know that's something that you can acknowledge but it's, it's it's one of those things where balance is key yeah because you can also get to a point where you're just so <laughs> never overconfident. do anything wrong yeah. right and you're so overconfident yeah. and cocky and then that's not a good thing either so. yeah yeah you you want to be able to have that balance mm-hmm. and i think too whether it's a real journal or a mental journal or whatever it is um i think what can be useful for a lot of people is um thinking about those short um, attainable goals, right? I think a lot of us that can be overly ambitious in some mm. of our goals, right? Um, when in reality, it's just like, no, we can just, you know, really strive to set attainable, manageable goals that we can, that I, I should absolutely be able to achieve within the next day or week, not something that I'm going to have to really push mm. um, super hard for, you know, but because the key to a lot of these long-term changes and um, habit forming is that, you know, you're creating these small incremental changes over time that eventually turn into large changes. And that is, those kind of changes are far more um, sustainable than, Mm. you know, I'm going to lose 10 pounds in four days or whatever, you know? Yeah. So I I gave a, I guess a seminar, you'd call it, um, on this exact thing that we're talking about. And we talked about the differences between goals and tasks. Mm. So if you have an iPhone or an Android, whatever you have, you essentially create a reminder list. And on the, t- the reminder list, the, the I'm sorry, the title of the reminder list is the goal that you want to achieve. Let's say the goal is, 
you know, you want to lose 20 pounds or something like that. And you know you're not going to be able to do that in two days, yeah. obviously, right? <laughs> but that's a, that's a goal. Yeah. And then underneath it, you're going to write down all of the tasks, tasks yeah. that are going to get you to that goal, mm-hmm. that are incremental, that are day-to-day, yes. minute-to-minute, mm-hmm. you know, hour-to-hour. Mm-hmm. And one of the more important things that I mentioned, um, and I forget what article it came from, it was evidence-based practice, was that once you accomplish a task, mm-hmm. obviously when you accomplish a goal, it's done. It's, mm-hmm. you know, you've lost the 20 pounds, you can celebrate, yeah. and you'll never forget that you lost the 20 pounds. Mm-hmm. In fact, you'll probably tell everybody that they're going to get tired <laughs> of you. But the incremental tasks, when you complete them, do not delete them. Mm. Okay, you can hit the check mark and hide them, mm-hmm. but don't delete them. Because if you delete the tasks and then you look back, it's as though today is the first day Day, that you've been working on losing 20 pounds. Meanwhile, you've been doing these incremental tasks for over a month and a half Mm -hmm. now, let's say hypothetically. You need to be able to go back and look in that rearview mirror and see what you've already done to encourage yourself moving forward. Yeah, that's such a good piece of advice. And I actually do this very thing when it comes to my um, career tasks. So I have, essentially I have this like little it's like a like a loose leaf weekly kind of agenda thing and so it it has like a little spot for like every weekday and I every single day as I'm working I write down all the tasks I have for the day and you know I have a little check you know check box like mm-hmm. right next to it and every time I complete one of those tasks you know, I highlight it, check it off, and I keep all of them. Good. And good. so it's really kind of cool because I can look throughout the weeks how many little teeny things, you know, I've completed. And it's such a wonderful feeling of like accomplishment and like moving forward and you're moving closer to this goal, whether that be in your career life or as a student or even like your personal mm. goals, um, whatever those look like. Um, and, and we feel more satisfied when we see our progress that way. So. We do. But if we're going to empower the opposition too, right? Let's talk mm-hmm. about why disrupting a negative mindset might not always be the best thing. Mm. Maybe a negative mindset has you like Taylor Swift or Adele, <laughs> you know? Where, That's true. It's yeah. a big money maker. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that negative mindset of just breakups and getting dumped and, mm-hmm. you know, that's where you, you know, you get your inspiration. I, I think this is more of a joke than anything else, but I think some someone at one point said that, like, you know, when Adele's in a solid relationship, she's not making good music. <laughs> music. You know, and the same thing with Taylor Swift is like, you know, there's no, no one to break up with. Um, so a negative mindset, is it Billie Eilish too? I'm not very familiar with her. Oh yeah, I love Billie Eilish, but she tends, I mean, she has some breakup songs, but a lot of them tend to be about like her mental health. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, if she didn't have any mental health concerns, then there would be nothing to sing about. Absolutely. And and we were talking about Kanye West earlier. Right. Exactly. There's no way he would be the creative genius he is unless, you know, he probably did struggle with some of those mental health. So there's something to be said that if you were to address what appears to be a negative mindset, Mm -hmm. you might also be eliminating the positive results from that Mm -hmm. negative mindset. Yeah. So sometimes... You know, it's funny because I was just speaking to my class about this a few hours ago that like you always, you know, social workers tend to be agents of change. We want to change this. We want to change that. Yet we don't always think to ourselves and ask ourselves, is change what's best Mm. 
right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, you know, we get so enamored with changing things that we don't consider whether or not that change would actually be for the better mm. or if it's just change for the sake of change. Or if the, the status quo is, is good as it is. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I, really, I really like that. Um, and it, it really does make me think too of like, it, it, it's sort of like um, in we, you know, Nafisa and I at some point both had to take the DSM class. So mm-hmm. it's, it's the class where we learn about all the mental disorders. And one thing we're taught in that class is that, you know, you don't ever diagnose somebody with a, a mental um, disorder unless they have problems that, you know, bring them into therapy and that's why they're there, right? Mm. You're not just going to diagnose some random person on the street. Um, They have to have um, issues, you know, as far as like, you know, whether that be their social life or, yeah, yeah. social, social functioning. And, and so I think it, it is, it is very interesting because a lot of the best artists, if they didn't struggle with, you know, some of the mental health concerns that they have, they would not be, be who they are today. Yeah. And so, and we wouldn't have the art that we have today. I mean, really think about it. Some of the best art, some of the most incredible inventors. Yeah. Yeah. That we were talking about. Tesla. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Some of the most incredible inventors, artists, they had serious mental health concerns. Um, to the Tesla and his penguin, I'm sorry, uh, penguin, pigeon, pigeon. (laughs) pigeon. Yeah. Yeah. So just recently, I was um, learning a little bit about it's Nikolai, Nikolai Nikolai Tesla and how, so, you know, he was an incredible inventor, mastermind of his time, but also he definitely had some very interesting deficits in his social functioning. Mm. So, you know, he was, he was never married, but he professed that he had fallen in love with a white pigeon, Mm. the way a man falls in love with a woman. Mm. So, so it's just very interesting, but, um, one hell of a bird. Yeah, and then like Van Gogh, right? Chop, he chopped off his ear. Up, yeah. Like it's there's this very fine line of like, hey, yeah, there people do struggle with some things, right? But then there's also this trade off of right. like remarkable genius and gifts that you have to give to the world, right? No one should ever be cast out as entirely this or that, mm-hmm. right? Everyone has something to you know contribute and and give to the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, just kind of the last thing I wanted to mention was, okay, so today, obviously we learned that, um, you know, there is research that is showing that our mindset is incredibly powerful, not only for, um, our bodies, but also our, our minds and nutrition is obviously very important. Um, but how, how do we like disrupt some of these, you know, negative mindsets? And we talked a little bit about that, but I also think there's some other, things that, you know, I, I want to leave with others today. And, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of ways that you can, you know, kind of disrupt these negative mindsets. Obviously, if there's things that you want to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you're really thinking with a mind-body perspective, you know, therapy is obviously always, you know, an option. Um, you know, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy works to, you know, kind of rewire brain circuits and functioning. And there's a huge evidence base for that. Um, and then you also have, um, med- meditation, um, that is really shown to help, um, you know, improve mind body, um, functioning. Mm-hmm. You also have yoga. Um, and there's, yeah, there's just a lot of different ways you can do that. Self-reflection, 
Um, you know, it can be something that's very personalized, right? Like yeah. you, can, you can even achieve this by going and, and working out at the gym. Mm-hmm. You can take a ride on your mountain bike and just, you know, just in, enjoy nature. You really, it's important to, self-awareness is the most important kind of awareness, right? To understand what you respond to best. Yeah. And just to try as many different things as possible and to figure out what, what is best and what's right mm-hmm. for you. Yeah. And what works for one person is not going to work for the other. And that's perfectly okay. I think it's just, you know, our responsibility of ourselves to kind of try to figure out, okay, hey, what does work? What doesn't? You know, what matters to me in this moment? What doesn't? And, you know, and to just be okay with, you know, where you're at right now and move forward. Yeah. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I'm Dr. Nafis Alam. And I'm Lexi Wilson. I'm a licensed master social worker. This has been Empowering the Opposition. See you next time.